Hey y'all, welcome back. I am Catherine Mills and you are listening to the Crude Audacity podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. Well team, you have made it clear. You want to get technical. So if you were able to attend Drinking with Geo's event, then you know you have asked for it. So here to talk core analytics, advanced reservoir characterization, and the reservoir shop in general, Katarina Yard. Welcome to the Crude Audacity. Thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. Thank you so, so much for here. I know. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> back. I'm so excited I didn't scare you off the first time. <laughs> no, I had quite a bit of fun on the panel discussion for sure. Well, you have quite the following. They definitely want to uh, get all of your secret sauce uh, tips, tricks, acumen, <laughs> everything. So we are here to talk technical. But before we jump into it, you have quite a background, and I know you gave us a little snippet, but take us back to the beginning. Why oil and gas? How did you ascend the roles into petrophysics? And really, just where have you been? Because you kind of seen it all. All right. Well, uh, I'll take you back to the beginning. I grew up in Europe. Um, did you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like you can tell, I already put my Southern Texas accent on to play, right? <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. You should have done the whole podcast in that accent. <laughs> But anywho, um, so I grew up in Italy uh, with a German and Greek parents, and then I went to study in Germany geology. Ooh. Yeah. And, uh, no. But it wasn't my first choice. Geology was more of a, a taboo topic, so it's something that I ended up finding out after a semester of physics. Okay. <laughs> Why was it taboo? It wasn't as, you know, geography is what you learn in school, right? And it, geology wasn't... Um, even mentioned, or it was in geography, but it wasn't called geology. It was just called, uh, what was it, uh, landscaping, landscaping geography or something. But anyways. <laughs> That's how they reduced the paycheck. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I tumbled upon it when I was studying physics in uh, Bonn uh, and uh, in Germany, and uh, all of a sudden I fell in love with geophysics, and from that I went and uh, uh, scouted various universities in, in Germany for a good place for me to stay, and mm -hmm. I found uh, the RWTH Aachen, Reines Westfälische Technische Hochschule. Oh uh, my God! And, and since uh, <laughs> it's like the MIT, but uh, in Germany, but the people don't know about it, and they actually changed their name to just Aachen University to make it a little bit more pronounceable. So people like me could pronounce it? Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Much appreciated. Yeah. So, anywho. So uh, Texas could pronounce it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I studied geology there, um, and uh, one of the professors there was an ex-Shell uh, uh, structural geologist. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Professor Janusz Uray, and uh, obviously not German. He was uh, Hungarian by background and uh, had a, a strong Dutch accent, though. Oh. Yeah, so, but we were talking in English, <laughs> <scandalous>. actually. <laughs> we were uh, getting taught in English uh, at that time, or a mixture between English and German, so okay. that was interesting. But this is how I got uh, to taste the oil and gas industry initially. Okay. Um, and the internship I did then with uh, Shell for my uh, studies got me further deeper into the oil and gas industry. And when I graduated in 2005, uh, the market wasn't as hot, so I decided to do at least something useful with myself. I started a PhD, but I didn't finish it. <laughs> that is fine. <laughs> because in 2006, uh, I had uh, a couple of companies, uh, Shell included, coming back and asking me if I want to be 
uh, you know, uh, work with them. Uh-huh. And that's where I started, and I decided to go with uh, uh, Baker Hughes back then uh, and become a login engineer uh, for LDBD tools, logging while drilling tools. Okay, so, so yeah. a lot of field experience yes, then. So, that's awesome. You know, off you go to the brainwash in Aberdeen, exactly. right? So. <laughs> But this is how I got started, and uh, back already back then uh, in Germany, the feel for oil and gas was still, you know, this is a dirty industry, and not everybody is interested. Yeah. So it's always uh, had a negative perception. Right. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Anyways, but that's how I ended up uh, as a field engineer for Baker. Uh, that's now 14 years ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So how did you land yourself in Denver, Colorado? Oh yeah, well that's another story. <laughs> Long story <laughs> short, but yeah, no, well, I mean, with Baker, I was able to move to Houston. I was able to see um, a lot of uh, offshore, um, you know, logging runs mm -hmm. and, and getting my hands dirty literally there. <laughs> and uh, That's a good way to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed my time offshore. And uh, the um, after a little while, though, I, the, the uh, offshore islands and all of them were getting kind of lonely. So I wanted to go back to an office space. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and go deeper into the analysis of the data that I was actually collecting. Okay. So this is how I became a um, geoscience data interpreter. Which is that, was the original title of petrophysicist at some point? Uh, the petrophysicist title just came when I joined Apache, really. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I was with Baker for almost eight years, and I uh, changed uh, various roles almost uh, every two years there. Uh, going from a data interpreter to a formation evaluation mm -hmm. advisor to a geoscience manager up here in the Rockies. Uh, so that's how, well, I didn't come with Baker. I had to leave Baker for them to realize what they're missing. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> and then I moved with Neos Geo Solutions, a startup company uh, here in Denver that was geophysics-based. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, they were um, able to get me up here, and uh, then Baker realized, oh, well, yeah, that little lady there, Katerina, right? The <laughs> <laughs> we need a geoscience manager, and they remembered. Uh, yeah, so that's how I got the opportunity to be a geoscience manager, which I always wanted to try out. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's and cool. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how I... Um, came came back to Baker that way. Okay. Uh, but in 2014, then I made the leap to the operator side. Okay. And that's where Brave I joined. Leap. <laughs> yeah. Bravely, because it was 2014. Exactly. It was right before everything came down. Yeah. So um, yeah. I joined Apache in Tulsa. Tulsa, Oklahoma. What do uh, you think of Tulsa? I like Tulsa. Tulsa, I get to go there in a month, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like Tulsa. It's small, and it, the people there are just very friendly. and They're Southern, I understand. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No, very true. And uh, I really enjoyed my time over there, and I really appreciated the opportunity just because, um, you know, when, when I joined, it was September 2014, everything started to crumble. Uh, already mm -hmm. at Apache, there were movements in the upper management that made me weary so I didn't move the family I just uh, commuted okay I was commuting during the week and on the weekends I was back here okay yeah that's so. fair yeah. yeah yeah I didn't kind wanna... of preluding or right. we're seeing it happen again in industry now oh, yeah. I would say yeah yeah so maybe not always a woman going right no <laughs> <laughs> I do like so. that you were the one commuting yeah. that is pretty cool <laughs> I was commuting, and uh, the rest was staying here just because you didn't know. And then in January, layoffs started. Yeah. And, 
things like that. So, and eventually, um, before they closed their doors, Apache closed their Tulsa office, I was able to jump back on okay. to in Denver with QEP resources back then. QEP, huh? Yeah. A Denver yeah. staple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, and then uh, eventually SM found me too, and uh, mm -hmm. that's how I ended up with uh, SM. Good place to be. Yeah. Well, you've kind of seen the evolution of petrophysics in industry. It was a it's almost a discipline that's just so highly specialized. Not everybody gets the option for it. It honestly, it didn't exist. It's almost how completion engineers evolved out of production engineering. So can you take us through the evolution that you've seen in the last couple of years with what it means to be a petrophysicist, what you're expected to deliver, and how you're measuring your KPIs within an interpretive art? Mm -hmm. So, well, the petrophysicist as a title, I think, uh, was started maybe as a well log analyst initially okay. right even the schlumberger brothers right they were making interpretation of the two curves that they were getting out of the first well ever exactly. logged so um that's why it, i was asking right. if your geo interpreter was right. like the original title of a yeah, petrophysicist <laughs> you could have yeah definitely a well log analysts uh, that's what we were calling ourselves yeah, too yeah 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 the petrophysics part the the deeper interpretation of the well log so not only incorporating well logs but everything else like the 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 rocks the fluids mm -hmm. and all of that that i guess that gives us the extra level yeah to call it petrophysics um but yeah we became a very specialized uh, group and it's still very interesting that um there's not a degree no uh, there apart isn't. From maybe from that uh one university in the uk uh, but th that's still, they're still teaching conventional exactly. rock over there, right? Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, for the rest of the world might be interesting. For us, it's not, no longer much of Exactly. <laughs> if it doesn't beat out of West Texas, right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's in, uh, for sure for the U.S. market. You really like have that. to work yourself into the right yes. team to become yes. a petrophysicist yes. these days. Oh, yeah, yeah, very true. And you have to have an affinity for, for digging down to the, you know, micro milli milli darcy's or <laughs> porosity values you need to be really into and all the mnemonics uh -huh. oh my gosh yeah so, <laughs> it's really interesting you know why didn't they all come up with the same uh curve name for example oh my God. <laughs> yeah so that the it, differences it, between companies i swear it's the same output but then it's like five different titles and everyone's <laughs> supposed to be better than everyone else. So how do you know if you even have a good, right. uh, you know, combo to begin with? It right. makes no sense. Yes. So I, I like to go back to raw, as raw as it can be in terms of data. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and I guess the evolution there or the importance of petrophysics, especially in more complex tight rocks, unconventional rocks, um, even, uh, deep Gulf of Mexico, mm -hmm. right? The, uh, the, the 30% rock has been drained, the 30% porosity rock, I should say. You know, that easy stuff, the one where you put the straw down in the ground and it starts flowing on its own, that's, that's all gone, right? So the, the increase of complexity, I think, made the petrophysicist more of a specialized role and mm -hmm. a more of a, you know, it's not a geologist doing it or it's, exactly. not, it's not a reservoir engineer doing it anymore just because they don't have the time and probably the nerve. Probably <laughs> the know-how. Yeah, well, that too, to, to dig deeper. Well, a lot's riding on it. It is literally the opportunity to 
fix a problem, to mm-hmm. make a play economical. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm or, sorry. Or not, I, right? Yeah. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a reservoir engineer, but I've seen plenty of them sit around the table. And when you talk log analysis, they just glaze over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it's unfortunate, but mm-hmm. it's, it's an accurate statement. So how do petrophysicists measure success? What are your KPIs? Well, that's a good question. I think the KPI for me is if I um, are able to production, right? It, it, comparing it to production. Okay. Production for me is the the key to see if the models that we're creating and combining them too, because petrophysics is one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's not all of it. So if you put it in a uh, put the data, the values for saturations, porosity, and so on, into a geo model space, into any bigger model 3d model Mm -hmm. space and it makes starts to make sense uh, with the production that you're getting out that's where you're feeling good yeah (laughs) and i think that's where also you know leading back into the complexity of things this is why using conventional equations from uh be it uh, archies or whoever that did the 20 percent 30 percent porosity rocks to whatever we're dealing with Mm -hmm. these days uh, just doesn't work. It does not. It does not work. <laughs> even all the, now in terms of saturation, even all the uh, saturation modifications that we got over the last 30, 40 years. Oh, Sigmundu, Indonesia. Yeah, dual water, all exactly. of that. This is good old clay stuff, but we're dealing with organic rich yeah, shales. Exactly. So these are different animals. Um, and uh, I think the, these need to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. And that's why the frustration of not getting the KPIs that we thought we would be able to yeah. achieve, they're not happening. I uh, feel like the only people that hit their KPIs in the proper way are drillers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Fast and done. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> drill, baby, drill. Exactly. Yes. Um, so you spoke about the fact that there is no school to become a petrophysicist. It is highly specialized, but there is that one that teaches conventional assets. So what you were alluding to just now with the saturation equations, talk to us about the different interpretation techniques that come from a conventional asset, because we are seeing a shift back to that within the lower 48, or at least American conventionals, Mm -hmm. as I make quotes in the air. Mm -hmm. But in regards to the shale craze that does happen, so where are we seeing some of our biggest hiccups in terms of technical evaluations from a petrophysical standpoint? So what I think is the biggest problem is um, saturation evaluation. And I'm not talking only about the water part, but also the oils. The Well, nobody looks at that. They right. just go, they just assume they one minus. See, exactly. They see this W, they do one minus, and then they don't get whatever they were expecting. Or they switch equations throughout a given oh. AOI. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. oh, my God, light me on fire. <laughs> yes. Why do we need 18 yeah. equations for the for, same, uh, right. I guess, asset? Right, and that's an indication that whatever equations we're using are not working, right? Exactly. So the, the, um, I mean, we, we've, we know about this problem forever, and I, I think I've been talking to core labs and other uh, people that deal with the analysis of uh, saturation or measurement for mm-hmm. saturations for almost, uh, yeah, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and do they have a solution yet? Well, they've been... Um, 
reluctant to change their methods just because they have a system. Everything is like, okay, I put cookie cutter number one and cookie cutter number two, mm-hmm. and uh, everything should fall into place. Everything adds up to 100 somehow, or exactly. I'll make it. Exactly, somehow. <laughs> or I'll make it. But um, saturations are the biggest issue. I don't think everything else, uh, and I think even in the last couple of years, all the saturation values that I've been getting from uh, Core Lab, any Core Lab, uh, I just ignored. Oh, yeah. You go raw. I, I go raw. <laughs> the good thing is I can uh, 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 be uh, happy with a grain density. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Grain density is the foundation for a lot of petrophysical, you know, uh, equations anyway. So if that is good, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the saturations, I just let them be whatever they were. So do you think the reluctancy is because of the marketing behind it? Not and. Uh, obviously that is the money but mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. the game is not working out you change the lineup right. so why are you still getting pushback is it from upper management within operators or is it literally within the service companies i think the the, the service companies too I, I don't know if it's for them not wanting to change or th- not knowing how to change because that's the biggest question how so you we don't have anyone smart enough in industry anymore to come up with a good equation uh, well <laughs> actually uh, being involved with a lot of societies these days um, mm-hmm. i do see the movement oh happening okay uh, so what are people, you seeing so people are trying to identify uh, movable oils and okay. movable waters okay and and calling them that and identifying them. Those or, are like some old school terms that are coming yes, back. I yes, like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I think that's the biggest change that we're seeing, which is very good for our industry, for the unconventionals, mm-hmm. but also the um, realization to management too mm-hmm. that you know um, we 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 got to figure out why we're producing that much water, or we got to figure yeah. out why this. Where's the bench, water coming from? Right. The the, the bench <laughs> didn't produce as much oil. Exactly. Right? Um, Oh, you must be on the fringe of yeah. it. Well, yeah. does that, re- that's a conventional saying. Yeah. Does it really matter in unconventionals? <laughs> right. We're on the fringe. We're, we're in the tightest rock possible, and we're still producing water as if we're connected to a water. Freaking hose. <laughs> Fountain of some sort, exactly. right? Exactly. So the, um, uh, one of the biggest approaches, or I guess uh, industry-wide, the NMR, the nuclear magnetic resonance, Mm -hmm. is something that uh, evolved over the years, maybe now another good 20 years, Mm -hmm. coming from the um, medical uh, part of the deal, the MRI scans, right? So we converted that into a tool-based equipment that we can run downhole, as well as a a core lab measurement, too. We're scanning our rocks. (laughs) Right, and we're scanning our rocks, and we're not paying attention to the bone structure. We're paying attention to the fluids within. So the the meat. Yes, so (laughs) that gooey stuff that we really have to, right? So that's, I think, with that and the connection of getting NMR with fluid movements and fluid identification, has been uh, probably the key to to this new movement that I see uh, in all the new abstracts that I received this year and last year. It's funny to hear you say that, though, because in my experience, coming from an unconventional background, moving into conventional evaluations, I have learned that rock-to-fluid interaction, the rel-perm curves of saturation, are absolute bullshit. And I am sorry to say it that way, but not one person who has 40 years of experience and has been studying this their entire career can give an accurate answer as to why the fluid is moving the way it is. 
Correct. So Rel Perm is still the the biggest question mark. And, so I mean, it's our, and, it's literally the core of uncertainty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it has a standard deviation of 50% or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so That's uh, a really good way to put that, actually. <laughs> so how are you combating mm. that? Because there seems to be more talk. There are more academic papers coming out on it. And yet, the more I read, the more I understand that nobody understands. Yes, and I don't think that changed much. The, That's unfortunate. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess, though, in terms of uh, the fluids in total within in situ, right, I think we're getting closer with that. Okay. Um, and, and how much of that is actual movable. And then the interactions, not only with a rock fluid, but also uh, frac fluid. Oh, yeah. Yes. Introducing that one, because it used to be straight lines, yes. and now it's like they're now, adding curves. Yes. So you change that rel perm with that, in my opinion, too. With the composition of it, with the salinity of it, mm. um, and, and, and various universities are doing a lot of research on they that. They really are, yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. adding the Cori coefficients. You're not going to one. Right. Okay. And exactly. So I think that's another important part that mm -hmm. has to be introduced into the rel perm, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, way of thinking. But the other thing that we also moved away from is, okay, like we're drilling um, the Woodford, right? Okay, it's going to be, if we frack the Woodford, we're only going to stay in the Woodford by magic, but actually not. <laughs> so, uh, you know. There we, might be cross-bench contamination. <laughs> so that's the Blasphemy. other thing. Blasphemy. Right? Yeah, exactly. Explaining we, that we, to a completions team is like, I could beat them with a brick and they still won't agree. <laughs> it only grew by 100 feet yeah. or 85 feet. It's bi-winged. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, all of these ideas of how the frack uh, evolves on, uh, you know, underground, mm -hmm. I, I don't think we still got a full or good picture of it. But how could we not? We have micro seismic. That doesn't come with any error or have any sort of smoothing effect. I right. mean, come on. Yes, yeah, <laughs> no. Well, do, that's, you hit, do you yeah. see my sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> microseismic. I love microseismic, but it has its limitations. And, exactly. But still people go off of it as if it's the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and sometimes... Oh, right now it is. Yeah. I mean, so there's still, like I said, just like petrophysics, microseismic is just a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And it's also... Uh, the area investigation or the, the uh, what you call it, vertical resolution or the depth of investigation of that particular <laughs> measurement needs to be taken into account. Well, what is your favorite vertical resolution? Uh, Do you have a preference? <laughs> well, if I could, I would love to see fracks in uh, seismic monitoring somehow, right? Ooh, yeah, so. that would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, and I know that there is people out there trying to figure that out. Yeah, with... they're real-time fiber optics, yeah. which help, but mm -hmm. they're still interpretation right. because of noise, uh, I guess, contamination. Right, right. So, so yeah, so the, 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 the total amount of rock that we're touching will contribute, too, to that rel perm question that you had there, mm -hmm. right? So that's, it's, it's not only the one shale that we're landing in and it's like 10 feet above and below. It's, it's, it's hundreds of feet, Absolutely. If, if not thousands, right, depending on what you're hitting there. What is but. your feeling on uh, recovery factors? Because uh -huh. going into petroleum, recovery factor, recovery factor, and then I sort of realized that recovery factors have 
such a negative connotation in mm-hmm. uh, unconventionals, but it goes back to going back to raw data, if you mm-hmm. think about it. So really, we've got the eclipse. We're draining that area around the wellbore, mm-hmm. near wellbore drainage, and yet we are barely hitting 1-2% from what we have estimated in reserves bankings. Right. So is there really, is that still terminology that needs to be utilized in industry because it's just legacy? Uh, I hope not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hope people realize the fact that recovery factors are maybe, again, a more conventional term. Exactly. And, and where you actually know your fluids within the system and how much of that is coming out. And uh, that that's the other thing that I also saw over the years that people started with uh, RFs or recovery factors and then kind of go, oh, but maybe that's not the right way. And Even, they have to bring yeah. it down so they don't get fired. <laughs> right, and that's, the, I mean, it's, it's, there is a limit there um, that goes back to even the initial petrophysics that people have done on things, mm-hmm. right? So if that is wrong, then the RF is wrong. So, Blasphemy. You know, yeah, it's like uh, catch uh, 22 there. But I think there, uh, the, yes, the KPIs in general have to be changed for unconventional. We need to measure ourselves with realistic values that can be mm-hmm. uh, cross-checked, not only with one idea of something, right? Or how so much oil all, is lo- or all log interpretations <laughs> right. never gives you an answer, but almost there. <laughs> yes, right. Or, or at least have multiple sources to get to the same mm-hmm. conclusions. And if it's not happening, then, you know, something is missing somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. Identifying what you don't have versus what you do have is sometimes a better path. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I want to get raw mm-hmm. because it is literally my favorite topic, core analysis. So you said that you always go raw. You go back to the original core. There are a million and a half core tests out there, and they're offered by everybody. I know I have my favorite combos, but I'd like to hear why you have realized and why there is such a movement to go back to raw data. Keep it raw, start from there, and reinterpret instead of just accepting what's delivered to you in whatever smooth or normalized fashion Mm -hmm. that it is. So tell me, give me all things core analysis and why the industry (laughs) is moving back. Well, I think the industry is moving back um, just because we were, again, approaching the core in a conventional way, Mm -hmm. uh, not taking into account, well, maybe actually we should care about that poor organic material in that rock. And not burn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Not etch it down to non-existence, right? Uh, that I think, uh, you know, methods like the GRI method and things mm-hmm. like that, where you were extracting everything out that wasn't rock, like, yeah. you know, you were drying and it. carbonates, mm-hmm. you were drying it, you were etching it with all kinds of uh, the, 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 the most extreme acids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So burn poor kerogen, right off. <laughs> poor kerogen bitumen, they they had no chances, right? So they they were gone. We got rid of the money. <laughs> so you got rid of the money, and with that you created extra space, mm-hmm. porosity space that in situ you don't have. Exactly. And and I think that's why it's very necessary for everybody to go back to the core, mm-hmm. to reevaluate core, to keep the organic material in there as best way possible, and to maybe even re-imbibe 
uh, fluids into that. Ooh. Because, like we said, the rock-fluid interaction varies between the organic-rich material mm -hmm. that, I mean, this is gooey stuff. It likes to be oil-wet. It likes to be, it doesn't like water in general. But, yeah. you know, that's its uh, origin. But other uh, rocks like silicas, carbonates, even the good old clays, they might be water wet or they might be fine with water or they might not be fine with oil. So you get a fine, you get a figure out, figure out the wetability situation. Mm -hmm. um, the well, you know, when rock people did interactions. Exactly. But mm -hmm. you know, when people did not understand wetability, they just introduced intermediate wetability and you're like, really? We just filled a gap or put a band aid on another band aid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And it's still still around. Mixed, yeah, exactly. Mixed yeah. You know what's interesting is you don't see many core laboratories doing radial testing with saturations mm -hmm. to move or to examine movements between rock fluid interactions in that particular way. Do you think that's potentially? I mean, to find a core lab mm -hmm. that actually has radial equipment is very rare. It was so old school to do back in the right. day. Right. Plus, it takes forever in unconventionals. Right. The time. Yeah, time course. is money. Time is money, and that's why uh, big big companies probably won't even try to invest into it unless they're forced to well being which in i the hope <laughs> is gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> we will force that that is what this podcast is for but the funniest comment i ever got um moving from an unconventional shop to a conventional shop now most mm -hmm. of my clients are international mm -hmm. i was i just started there and i they kept telling me oh you speak like you're in unconventionals and i was like well duh mm -hmm. and i started talking in nano darcy's mm -hmm. one of the engineers who was supposed to be like just like a peer of mine mm -hmm. literally stops and goes what's a nano darcy he had only heard it in full darcy's he was like why would we go that small it makes no sense yeah. so it's just so funny yeah. the disconnects yeah yeah but that's where the changes in in uh, conventional methods or approaching the rock in a conventional way mm -hmm. needs to change because we're dealing with you know smaller than a hair porosity exactly uh, or <laughs> even poor systems right mm -hmm. and and um uh, looking at digital rock physics too, uh, if you look at those papers, they have to include the organic material mm -hmm. into any simulations that they do for for fluid movements. Otherwise, the pores or the 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 digital rock um, will not produce anything. So they have to add that nano, micro nano, mm -hmm. <laughs> super nano, <laughs> super uh, duper <laughs> nano. I don't even know what's after yeah. nano. <laughs> but they have to add that. Otherwise, uh, the fluid will not, or the simulation will not work. Mm -hmm. um, you know what else is not getting tested are fracture networks. And we can have those nano Darcy fracture networks that do exist within it, but because we cannot model it, mm -hmm. we remove it from the equation. And mm -hmm. I have found that you might actually have a dual perm porosity situation, but if you are not willing to I guess, examine or figure out a way to do an interpretation of that, there mm, might be mm. some uncertainty, but it messes up any raw data that you potentially have right. because you're, again, trying to fit a saturation. Yes. How are you addressing this DFN conundrum that we are in right now? Define fracture network. Yes. <laughs> so the, well, that's a good question. The, I think it's a huge question. It's right a huge now. question. And I don't know that we have the answer again because we can't map it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you can map it on a thin section. You can map it even on a FIBSIM 3D. Yeah, uh, you know, image I mean, of there your are rock. ways. Yeah, yeah, there is. But then upscaling. <laughs> uh, people don't upscale properly to begin with. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah. It's averages, and yes. they mess it's, it up. <laughs> it's, all, it's all average. Yes, <laughs> and and uh, 
so I think that there, it, it's a part of the equation, but I'm starting to believe that it might not be the biggest part of the equation in That's terms interesting. of, of, of uh, touching rock. So we're looking in the wrong direction, potentially. I think so. Oh. But it depends, again. On Where do you want us to look? <laughs> Is that too secret of a sauce? No, no. But I, I think, because, yes, I'm a structural geologist, uh -huh. so I love fractures of any sort. <laughs> You're like, shit, yeah, faulting. <laughs> so in those highly faulted and fractured uh, regions, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it does play a big role. Mm -hmm. But... Um, uh, the layer cakes that we're dealing with uh, in now in the Permian, for example, the, the natural fractures are not as present as people thought mm -hmm. they might be. Um, I mean, we, there is the H, uh, HFTS site, right, which is a multi-operators um, combined site where they put all the money for science and all of that. And I, I forgot the amount of natural fractures, but it, it was mm -hmm. a handful. That's interesting. Yeah. So you're so, definitely a Phi E girl over a Phi T girl, it seems I like. Guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I've noticed that has been a huge problem for the volatile oil market is properly modeling uh, bubble point down and then trying to link that back to completions. And what I was actually seeing when I was going through those processes is we were underestimating permeability. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to do well with porosity, I would say, but we were underestimating permeability and then trying to apply things like buckles plots back to it. And like, mm. Jesus Christ, mm. what is happening? Mm -hmm. So how, <laughs> how are you working through that? How are you, when you're seeing us have breakthrough and, you know, fall below, uh, below bubble point and not being able to match our drawdown curves because of equipment we put on surface, like what, what steps are you going through to make sure that what you deliver to the reservoir team is actually something where you can say, y'all are messing this up, not me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I deal with what's in situ mainly, right? Yeah. And and then you figure it out on how it comes out. But yes. Do you I, know I'm asking for like personal it, reasons? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, but that's, that's, it's an observation too that I've seen more mm -hmm. and more now, again, with my favorite tool, the NMR. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because All you petrophysicists <laughs> love that tool. <laughs> because uh, when it measures downhole, it's very sensitive to gas. So whenever That's right. whenever it sees bubbles, even bubbles, just bubbles going up the wall, it will pick on those, right? Mm -hmm. And and we do see them. Yeah. So that we means, ignore them. Right. <laughs> we ignore and, the, and that's how is there separation back. when it's still above point? Right. <laughs> and people go like, how is that gas? I said, you can't fake gas signatures on an NMR. Uh -uh. I can do whatever I want. I even I can't fake a gas. Yeah. Oh, oil and water, sure. Mm -hmm. I can call it whatever. But the uh, the gas signature is so distinct, um, and it's there. And you have to pay attention to it. Uh, yes. <laughs> so and and um, it's depending. And I don't know if it's is it because of the pressure or is it because of because it changes over you know let's say a f section of two thousand feet it mm -hmm. might change. So you might see it up on top but not at the bottom. Yeah. Or or, or in tighter rocks you don't see it and. I don't know, but yes, <laughs> the, these are all realizations. And again, it goes back to that rel perm question that mm -hmm. we're still, I mean, we're still arm waving quite a bit on that one. I know. Yeah. If anyone ever tells you that you are fired because of rel perm, then they <laughs> are trying to get rid of you for a different reason. Right, right. <laughs> it's just yeah. the funniest thing. So yeah. with going back to all the different analysis that we send out for core analytics, What's your favorite? What are you leaning towards? Um, is it C CMS 300? Are you like a Dean Stark girl? Like, what do you like to see happening? 
Uh, well, I hope that we're moving away from Dean Starks. Oh my God, yes. you just ripped out my heart. <laughs> <laughs> because we realized, I mean, Dean Stark too has its limitations when exactly. it comes to... Exactly, we're, we're cooking it too much. We're, we're cooking it and uh, we're actually producing more prosody than what is in situ or mm -hmm. downhole. Uh, so I really would love to see more of that... Um, the identification of the various fluids if they're movable, movable mm -hmm. or if they're bound. Okay. And and <laughs> I like that. Yes. If they are bound. <laughs> right. And the there are many other uh, boutique uh, re restaurants. I was about to say uh, core labs out there that are trying to figure that out. Okay. They take the time, and it's a time thing too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they're trying to. You can't um, be one done fast and right. fast and furious does not work with core analytics. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, companies like uh, Shell and Exxon, they already started experimenting with these things maybe, I would say, five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's now starting to get traction on yeah. the bigger core labs that it's a necessity now. It's more, it's not, okay, this is extra service. This is what needs to be done. Exactly. It and needs to become a baseline yes, service. This needs to be a baseline service for unconventionals. Mm -hmm. And then we can go and figure out rel perm eventually <laughs> or, or formation damage or all these fancy other things because, you know, that that is one part, again, and that will uh, maybe inhibit or help mm -hmm. your fluids to come out. Right? I completely agree. Yeah. So the, the, this, is, this is the biggest thing. But figuring out what fluids, again, back to the RF too, right? <laughs> what fluids can ever come out, uh, whatever has been cooked enough out of the organic rich material, uh, whatever is movable, that mm -hmm. needs to be figured out. Hmm. So. so what do you think about this whole hype about parent-child interactions? Because i got to say, I'm not impressed. Mm. I think we called it out five years ago. I think we were ignored by management. And I think now we're thinking, oh, shit, we can't do enhanced recovery on these assets because we wine rack the hell out of them. Right. So what are you seeing with the parent-child conundrum that's out there? Well, you know, that that was another push uh, from Wall Street, really. You know, how many Wall Street Is that where get? it originated? I, I think so, because that's how it, we were getting rewarded by the amount of... Uh, drill, baby, drill. drill. Be, yeah, <laughs> about um, landing zones or whatever you want to call it. How uh, many benches? How right? many benches can you frack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many benches can you frack? How many wells can you put in in, in literally uh, uh, the smallest piece of rock ever? And <laughs> and then, oops, something is happening to that other well that belongs to somebody else. And, oh my you know, God, a pressure right? signature. <laughs> yeah. So the the interactions were visible, and I'm sure they were visible for many years. Oh, but yeah. but we were driven. I mean, mm -hmm. who else would have told management to? keep on uh, killing each other as well. It's, I mean, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But I need you to bash <laughs> our competitor. <laughs> right? But uh, it was the drive. And I remember going to uh, SPE Lunch and Learns too, and they, they basically started every Lunch and Learn saying, please, dear God of all field, uh, let uh, Wall Street get off their IP horse. And oh, my God. <laughs> IP 30. This is awesome. Best in Basin. So that, you know, every every SPE lunch and learn, I remember somebody was mentioning it one way oh, or yeah. the other. So, but nobody was listening. Yeah. And and we were kept keeping on going the good old-fashioned way. Because right? that's how the money was flowing in. Right. Mm -hmm. And and we get rewarded for that. Yeah. Although we were breaking our whole reservoir. In, exactly. In, in too many pieces and and uh, you know um we were not getting the best out of it exactly so. we created dead oil essentially yes. yeah. and, and you, a dead oil in an unconventional is it's not kind of dead it is like never coming right. out dead yes <laughs> right 
And the, the biggest, uh, we, we always say the U.S. has the biggest reserves, but they will keep that way <laughs> if we keep on breaking <laughs> the rock. Tell me how you really <laughs> feel about reserve banking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, unfortunately, we did quite a bit of damage. Mm-hmm. And not only to our um, res- reservoirs, but also to our reputation that way. Snap. Yeah. And I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so now bankers go like, oh, it didn't work out. But, you know, we were not pushing you. No, no, you were pushing us. No, it <laughs> isn't the old saying. There are more dry holes drilled by private equity than anyone else. I mean, it's not wrong. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need a held by production. But then mm-hmm. when the stupid thing doesn't produce, then yeah. it's everyone else's fault. Right. And it's such it's so infuriating. Yeah. So how do we fix it? Well, like, we really uh, how again, do we fix it? We got to go back to the rock, back to the raw data. Mm-hmm. Listen to the rock and to the. Got to uh, get raw. Yeah, got to get raw, uh, both on the rock and both uh, rock and fluids, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding what we actually do, because I do believe that there is some damage when, uh, in terms of um, increased production or decreased production, when you frack it one way or the other. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. The bigger frack, you're like, hey, look what I did. Or I found this secret sauce with uh, the hammer analysis and I am awesome. Are we really producing more oil? Because we've been bashing other wells and we're creating artificial fracture systems between wells. Mm -hmm. So are we really doing better? Because when I'm looking at it and I'm seeing your curves Mm -hmm. and your curve is not increasing because you put so much money down hole. Mm -hmm. Did you really do better? Right. That's and, and, you know, um, engineered completions versus cookie cutter completions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penny fracks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nobody the, even knows what those are anymore. <laughs> yes. Right. They don't exist but yeah, anymore. Right. But the, uh, the way that we approach a rock, no matter where it sits, is also wrong in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Within, you're saying, you know, uh, parent-child interactions. But what about in the same horizontal mm-hmm. fracking stages? the same way you will um, you will impede some fluids from coming out just because of that yeah you're gonna you create do a skin of some form right. damage of some form damage of some form and uh, rock is uh, like rock with like rock I mean people have been saying it all the all the all for I mean I don't know how many years now but we never did it. We never completed or treated the rocks the way they needed to be treated. Hmm. And so I think, and, and in some cases, we're even going back with the refracts, mm-hmm. which is... A con- you can only refrack in the DJ. Like, come on, that is the biggest <laughs> myth I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you need to have the rock or the reservoir to be your partner on that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, refracts uh, are not going to go anywhere. You know what's kind of interesting about refracts that I noticed, especially being in unconventionals, mm-hmm. and, and I'm talking like West Texas, mm-hmm. you refrack a well, mm-hmm. it's surrounding children or child wells. Those are the ones that benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So you essentially destroy one to save others, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you create a new path and those start working better, mm-hmm. technically. Right. So isn't yeah. that an interesting observation? Oh, yeah. I know it's not unique, but I was really proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, no, that, but and then again, uh, not the not all uh, plays are going to be the same, mm-hmm. right? Take the Haynesville that is super 
I mean, that's highly pressurized rock right there. BCF a well, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That that loves refracts that well. Uh, that, oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard I, that. Well, it's probably because it's, it's gas. Yeah, it's gas, yeah. right? So it's nice and easy, plus super pressurized. So you just oh, yeah, need yeah. it. And, and when it, back in the day when it was hot in 2009, our fracks were like, bloops, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now we go in with a huge uh, <laughs> sledgehammer. <laughs> exactly. but, uh, and that's why it works better, probably. But... Um, but then again, IPs are high, and then they come crashing down. Explaining right? ha hammer analysis and hammer equations to conventional people <laughs> is the funniest thing, because they will look at you and go, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and you're like, no, it works. <laughs> so I'm seeing a huge push towards reevaluating what it means to have uh, FACES evaluations from geomechanical down to lithology. Uh, rock quality is mm -hmm. a... <laughs> It seems so obvious, but yet that is a category. Um, mm -hmm. I've also seen groups try and come in and create a production facies. So they have mm -hmm. like, again, rel perms, the flow analytics. Right. Uh, are we looking in the wrong rabbit hole? Because I, I, I don't yeah. know how much more we're going to be able to recategorize. Right. 21 million facies doesn't help me. <laughs> Yeah, don't get me started. No, okay. no, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you just mentioned one thing that I forgot to mention is hmm. the geomechanics, right? With unconventional, that's a new had one. A, had a rebirth, maybe too, in a way, just because stress. It, it's stress, and it's this is part of the confinement of what rocks were touching, right? Mm -hmm. And it helps with that. So introducing. Um, some kind of geomechanical measure is definitely needed mm -hmm. in unconventionals. And again, hasn't been looked at it for a while, but uh, societies like ARMA, for example, they had a big um, revamp of their, uh, of their society because initially they were only you know, um, they material went from 20 stress. members to like... Yeah, ARMA, I forgot what it <laughs> all stands for, but it, it went from uh, um, people that do it and deal with uh, uh, material science. Okay to people like us that deal with the rock mechanics. So they, they, they grew quite a bit and then they became also more famous now. <laughs> but that's because thanks, to, <laughs> thanks to unconventionals, yeah. So, so it is building upon facies and facies and facies mm -hmm. the equivalent of looking down the round rabbit hole, in your opinion? Do you think we're just adding too much emphasis to something we already know how to do and it's not changing the game? So the facies, what I've come to see is that it is the common denominator in okay. some ways. Okay. If you're trying to match um, production to rocks or something like that, if you're trying to match basically Chinese and German, right? Mm -hmm. So there is, there is, the facies will help to a certain degree. Okay. But it also, they need to be fed the right information mm -hmm. for them to be actually helping out mm -hmm. but I do believe that is it is not only um, like an upscaling factor going from log scale to uh, let's say nanoscale or even more bigger production scale mm -hmm. I think it might be the key there mm -hmm. because it is very difficult to okay I give you my logs but then on a reservoir yeah. scale, what do you do with it? You average it, right? Exactly. And then maybe the facies. That's how management understands it. <laughs> <laughs> right? But then maybe a facies scheme might be better for that. 
hmm. I think. Well, the reason I'm pushing this question is because I've seen a lot of shops, especially some of the bigger mm. players, they are building these, I guess, databases based off of facies. And the point is to fill in gaps where we don't have data. Maybe we have poorly done dark data, things like those. Mm -hmm. And I am getting myself to the point where I don't think that this automation of data interpretation through something just foundationally based on facies is the right way to go. It mm. makes me think that if you're like, well, what if I could tell you that I can deliver this great little model to you and it already has all your, you know, um, petrochemical and mm. physical properties and all of this already loaded to it, mm -hmm. well, that's great because you're seeing it, what, come out of like technical teams like Schlumberger, you're seeing it come out of consulting teams in Canada mm -hmm. and everyone has a different interpretation. So right. again, yes. is it really, is it really worth investing in when you're a smaller shop, maybe when you're a mid-size operator, especially the turnover? I think what helps you is actually just doing it from scratch raw. Mm -hmm. So that, yes, um, I agree. Oh, good. Yay. Yes. <laughs> the, the facies in general, they cannot be like, you cannot call facies one from one part of the. You mean 1.8509? <laughs> Right or or that teal color, um, <laughs> facies. Right? Actually, that's how a lot of people they're yes. like, hey, so pay yeah. attention to the blue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I know. I know very well. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you do it right, mm -hmm. if you sit down and go through your own data, uh, you will find the key in the facies. I think. Okay. Yeah. So you have but more success by taking the time yes. rather than just purchasing what's been sent to you. Right. Yes. I don't think that you can go with cookie cutter much of anything in unconventionals. Uh, Even conventionals these days. Yeah, we're conventional getting, tools, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're getting to the point where we right. have to reevaluate how to reinvigorate, yes. if that makes sense. Yes, so. yeah, no, I can see that. But yeah, yeah the, the it, it has to be specialized for each and every approach that you do. You cannot use the same, I wouldn't think, the f same facies scheme for all the mm -hmm. plays in the world. So, and, and then you always have to add or subtract one part that makes the facies, uh, <laughs> depending on your area. Yeah, you cannot just go. You can't just, that's why I would yeah. caution so many people yes. say, it sounds great to just order this, but the reality is, is there are, there, there's a reason it's a living document. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. they haven't figured it out, mm -hmm. you're probably better off taking your time to figure it out yes. as well. Yes. So the more I speak to petrophysicists, because I love petrophysicists, this is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. I am, we have a movement in industry that is pushing people back towards the science. And I understand management is reluctant, but the money is ready. So do you think the art of petrophysics is going to be that bridging gap that we need between management, money, and science? Well, I hope so. Okay. Well, job security. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but apart from that, I, um, I do believe that uh, rather than following averages or mm -hmm. curves, like the IP stuff that we talked about, you know, we were, management was so driven onto that and, and the number of wells were gonna lay in the ground. But what if you use a little bit of science, you know, just listen to your scientists. They're, they've spent all their hours <laughs> at work trying to figure out we're this We're in the complex. basement <laughs> figuring it out. Right? <laughs> and uh, uh, we haven't seen sunlight in years, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's my there's, 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 right. There's keys to um, 
to uh, unlock unconventionals. I'm still, you know, hopeful, I mm -hmm. guess. But uh, I believe things like petrophysics or any science that links other sciences together to make the big picture yeah. make sense is is something that we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. We need to listen to because I mean, I, you know, sometimes I felt like I was talking to a wall many times, right? So of course, yeah. Um, you have the word <laughs> physics in your title. <laughs> Right. So that <laughs> comes with, OK, here we go again. Yeah. So that <laughs> but yeah, listening to the results and um, trying to make the best in terms of uh, sound financial decisions mm -hmm. because of science might be a smart move these days. So um, a chief petrophysical officer probably should be at the table. That's what you would hope. Yes. Yeah. So you yes. going for that title? Uh, yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Katarina, is there anything else in the petrophysics, I guess, sector mm -hmm. that you think industry, be it someone like me with about four or five years of experience, all the way up to someone who's just been so in the weeds that they can't see the forest, mm -hmm. um, maybe we should start paying attention to, start sort of mulling over food for thought, so to speak. Do you have any? Well, the, the logs are talking to us the whole time, right? And it's it's a matter of identifying depends where they come from. Right. No, it kidding. depends <laughs> where they come from, but also it depends on which equations you're forcing them into mm -hmm. to give you results. Right. So I think the the um, the time has come for people to move on from just triple combos. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Right. You just and shook an <laughs> industry. <laughs> I know there's still many people out there that are firm believers that you can get anything with a triple combo thanks to regressions, but <laughs> but uh, it will bite you. Yeah, and it bit already a couple uh, of companies, unfortunately. Oh my too. God. You now, can survive without a gamma ray. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, the evolution—it's a constant evolution. Changes the constant mm -hmm. in our industry. And, and riding with that is what's necessary. So I like yeah. that. Ooh, mm -hmm. that is good food for thought. So Katarina, what is a book, podcast, or other resource that has brought you value that you recommend to someone else and why? So one of the books I stumbled upon uh, last year was uh, the one called Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office. What? <laughs> I know, shock, right? Know. Shock, shock. Explain. And it's a 10-year anniversary book from their, uh, her first book. This is Louise Frankel, a PhD lady. And um, uh, her first book, obviously, called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office, right? But it's it not only has um, a little exercise for you to go through to uh, work on your... Uh, weaknesses or mistakes that we do as women. Maybe identifying them? Uh, identifying them and because she is of the in, uh, impression or her idea is that we still are the uh, the little girls that we used to be when we were 10 years old and we're always going to be viewed that way. The, the nice girls. That's not wrong though. Right? We were always told to but, you know be seen and not heard. Right. Don't move. Don't do a fuss. Be nice. Say thank you and please. That's why my but, mother's so disappointed in me. <laughs> right? Yes. My mom had the same issue with me. But <laughs> <laughs> but this talks, it's a guide. It's really a guide on how to handle these uh, pre-set ways of uh, for us ladies to deal with things uh -huh. and, and to how to interact with people that have this preconcept of 
this is a nice girl, you know, with the <laughs> braided hair and all. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and how to talk mm-hmm. that we can actually get listened to. So how to, to be, be part effective. Of the, yeah, effective and be part of the table discussions. Ooh, I like I that. Love this. So it's called Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office. Yes. I am so downloading that. I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much for taking the time. This was such a technical deep dive. I loved it. I <laughs> could geek out on core all day long. So I'm so <laughs> glad that you said keep it raw because I agree with you. That is where industry needs to head back back to foundation to rebuild infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for taking the time. This has been wonderful. I cannot wait to have you back. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Boom. There you have it. If you really want to know a way out of this pivot, get raw. Raw data, raw core, and raw analytics. Katarina is a scientific powerhouse, and that is why she is a game changer. As y'all know, 2020 is going to be a killer year and there is a lot to do. So head on over to the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com to check out upcoming events, sponsorship opportunities, and what is happening around the oil. Hold on. One more thing before you go. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, You can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.